yeah, like I remember on cable, you'd at least get like a dozen. But now, like Hulu, I've been on Hulu for probably two years. Two years. Yeah, yeah it's been like there's only like four commercials on any sort of thing, and it's the same four over and over again. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh my gosh, it's like I, I'm. I feel like I'm losing my mind. Like, like when I worked at Quiznos in high school, and it was the same Quiznos hit CD that they played every damn day when you worked like 40 hours a week. And it was like, all right, at around 11:45, it's gonna be a wake me up before you go go. <laughs> watching the same Wait. life. Like, like with all these ads they're just identical every time so they're wait a minute hold on so you're telling me that the guy the manager or whoever ran quiznos music started on the same track every day so here's the thing so shout out was it to like a my- cd was it like a cd or how what i need to know more about this <laughs> so he's gonna uh i should show him this because then he, he hates that like friendship started because he was my boss at quiznos and that's like just the circumstance around which we met but uh now we're good friends but like <laughs> he's always like you always bringing up that <laughs> yeah does <laughs> man but uh um he uh uh he started as like the manager under his his father um uh, started like this franchise in in mm-hmm. lockport he was the uh the manager and his brother was the assistant manager and uh <clears throat> we just started everything by the book like we had like they had ice came out at like the very beginning of when they started the franchise basically so yeah. like the cd one of those things that was like in the first like month or so like everything was the same before like dustin started uh and his dad started uh uh changing things up and making it you know uh, much you know more lucrative business and like doing the things i want to do so at that point that's when dustin started making his own cds and then putting them on because it's like thank god i'm not listening to this but for the first like month it was same cd every day <laughs> and, uh, but but like was it by the book like in the book they said you have to start with track one you can't st- you can't start on like the third I think, track i think they just whatever. give you the seat i don't know i have no idea but i, I bet they just give them the cd so, and it's like oh so music. what else so what kind of music was on this quiznos cd that's what i like what was it like can, can it was like the playlist? it was like i i cannot but i think it was it was a lot of like oldies hits it was just like very like you know okay. like lukewarm music that people uh that you know our every generation can kind of like along with but i remember it was like yeah, it was like you know stuff like 60s 70s maybe but like classic hits and then some like like i think sarah Bareilles was on it i think uh you know, okay. was, was, you know that but then uh you know maybe um you know tom jones or some older stuff oh too. So okay was, so so it was kind of like it was kind of like adult contemporary like you'd hear on a radio station that was like 95.7 the song yeah. or something like that <laughs> this this right yeah, yeah, so, yeah it'd be soft rock soft rock hits it's uh k-o-f-t yeah yeah, K-O-F-T. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> now i got a, now i get a question with with quiznos though would you would you eat quiznos right now because i know there's like none hardly yes. left oh thank god okay I love Quiznos. Oh my goodness. So Quiznos, what, you know, I've, I've made this, I've had this conversation with people more times than I'd care to admit, but like, but like Subway just brings in their food and like different, uh, you know, it seems like Jimmy John's, those types of places, like it's all just kind of lunch meat or like, you know, comes in on a truck or whatever. But at Quiznos, we went and locally sourced our produce and we went to eat like, <laughs> And they used to go to like the farmer's market or whatever and they get like the produce and everything. So it was like, but then we had 37 different kinds of sauces, four different kinds of breads, 
you put it through the oven. The oven makes it nice and crispy, and then you put the veggies on at the end. It's the perfect sandwich. And then you got the pepper bar at the end if you want to put a little pepperoncini or whatever. Oh, of course. Or banana pepper, of course. And then you have a beautiful sandwich that's nice and toasted. So it's wow. like, oh, this is – and that's why potbelly, I think, is so much better because it's like a toasted sandwich, which is something I would, I would prefer every time. Quiz- Quiznos also had a god-tier ad campaign. Remember the uh, was the two rats or mice thing? So you say God tier, but I think it's more like the worst advertising campaign. I think it might have killed their business. We got a pepper bar. Like you remember that the two? Uh, yes. We love Christmas times. We love Christmas times. Yes, it was, it was literally rats. Like who wants to go we to a place advertising that rats are there? Oh, it's so good. It's so it would be perfect in 2020. It would be like fantastic, like 2019. They were like they were two decades ahead of where they should have been. Is what Quiznos was. They were, they were they were ahead of their time for sure because now potbelly basically took the same the same campaign they're just like oh we're a little more artsy and we have like you know the three studios on the walls and stuff like that so like <laughs> that's basically all they did was like took the same model and applied it because like it goes through every time but now do they do that anymore i think they might have changed their model recently i have no idea i haven't been to potbelly or a restaurant in seven months <laughs> and, and like potbelly doesn't even have a pepper bar so like what the fuck yeah. is what i'm what i say to potbelly oh, yeah, boo pot belly. We're pro quizzes on this on this podcast. All right, let's get into it. I'm Jordan. He's Brian. You're in the Up the Middle podcast. Thanks for listening to our Quiznos talk. More sandwich talk coming next week. Um, I I think this is probably going to be our loosest podcast of probably the last couple because we're really only going to talk about what happened this past weekend and then I don't know do some remembering of some guys or i guess feeling of guys it's more it's more feeling oh that's poor phrasing we're going to do some feelings we're going to talk about guys and feelings yeah right yeah so you know again just to reiterate this will never air uh but uh, (laughs) (laughs) but yes it's uh we're running on the same theme from last week about uh guys that we feel like we're affiliated with a particular team or organization uh Hmm. Just by looking at him, you think and you think of that of that team when you're the first first uh, the first team that comes to mind when you think of that guy. For that sure. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to do it. So let's talk about this past weekend. Uh, we had baseball. It was pretty dope. Not gonna lie, baseball was great as always. Um, both Amazing. the Cardinals and the Cubs went two and one over the weekend, and then the Cubs were recording this on a Tuesday here. The Cubs also won on Monday against, I believe, Cincinnati. So. Barely. Let's yeah. Let's <laughs> let's talk to it, Brian. What from the first weekend of four games with the Cubs? What are your initial thoughts? And I guess what do you think about this team so far? So, I will restrict my current thoughts to in particular the on play activities of the Chicago Cubs and and baseball teams. Is that fair? Okay. Yes, <laughs> so, that's totally fine. We'll we'll we, we, we'll touch about it maybe later. We can maybe touch on yeah, it later. It's, it, yeah, it's challenging for me to separate other things that are going on. But I'll keep myself on the same track of, of baseball. And on that track, on Friday, to sit on my couch for three hours and watch Kyle Hendricks pitch nine innings of three-hit, no-walk ball, all three hits and all three base runners of the game for Orlando Arcia three times on signals. That's, uh, that was a very pleasant way to, to welcome in the baseball season. It was very therapeutic. I sat there literally just watching him. 87 on the corner 
80 a little low that has great movement down that he swings mm-hmm. and misses at. Ooh, 87 up and in, and then 74 with a nice curve on the outside half. It's like it was just like watching. It was like watching a. Uh, it was like watching a professor. I know that that's very cliche, but he's mm. he's very cynical and he's very uh, wealth. It's like it's like when you, who's a, who's a professor from U of I who you would think is like was the most uh, like calm and collected and well put together. I'm gonna have is- to go. Gare Delarude from uh, shout out to Gare Delarude from <laughs> from ME three fifty I think it was which was Dynamic Systems. Mm-hmm. Ask for that. Yeah, gear. Yeah, I think we were in that class together. Very, very. This is a very niche topic for people listening to this podcast. Anybody else who's been University of Illinois engineering? Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So this is yeah. If someone who was like very just like everything was fluid and it was just one stream of consciousness. That was kind of what gear did it was like, there was no question. There's no time for questions. There's no times for questions. It was like, <laughs> I'm going to talk for 56 minutes straight. It's going to make sense. And it's going to, I'm like, everything is going to be clear. I'm going to write on the board and it's going to be right the first time. It's going to be awesome. Yep. But yes. yeah, it's just and one fluid very few mistakes made. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I totally it's like get it. start to finish, like literally. And he threw. I think it was 103 pitches. He was at 103. Ross came out, said, "You good to get this last guy?" He threw one pitch low and in, got the ground ball out. He finished 104. But that was just like a classic. I mean, last year, you know, they called the Maddox. It just was 100, under 100 pitches, uh, mm-hmm. uh, not out. And he has, I think, uh, three of those. But this was just over 100 pitches. But um, it's just uh, when he's on, he's on. When he's off, he doesn't have uh, location, and his 87 is over the middle of the plate, and it gets hammered, as we've seen periodically over the course of his career. But when he's on, he's fantastically on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it seems like I'm just looking at baseball reference right now of the Cubs games. I didn't get a lot of chances to watch any of those games. Um, but it seems like they've not had their bullpen cause too many issues, except for, I guess, was it last night? Was probably no, the last, first time that they yeah. had that they had some major issues. <laughs> right. Well, it helped because we didn't have to worry about any bullpen guys the first game. It's like, well, that was one less headache. Uh, but <laughs> then um, it was Lester went five, I think, and Darvish was not good his start. But that that game was basically already lost by the time that the bullpen came in early in the game. Right. Um, had he had his pitches, he had the movement and the stuff, but not the pitching as is. The typical of the first half of the season last year, then the second half he walked. I think it was – he had like 32 walks to 107 strikeouts over his last 16 starts or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, it was not very good. But then it was uh, the uh, start by Lester, five innings. The bullpen did a pretty good job. And then last night is when the wheels completely fell off. We were up 8-1 uh, to one at one point, and we won the game 8-7. to seven. So uh, that was that major concern. But um, uh, other than that, it's been a nice uh, three and one start for the Cubbies. Yeah, for sure. So would you say that, um, so one of the things I talked about in the solo pod was regarding around, I always thought that like there was, I put teams in three tiers. There's teams that you know, they're good. There's the teams that are question marks. And then there's the teams that you know, that are bad. And I put the Cubs Mm -hmm. in as a question mark. And at first, 
when I, I said it on the pod, I thought they were more bad than good. And that was because I didn't know a whole lot about the bullpen. And I thought that would be like the biggest weakness considering it's pretty much a blank slate starting over. Would you consider the Cubs more good than bad? Because now I'm starting, I think I'm going to change my tune that they're more good than bad, but still a question mark to me. I, I honestly, I think that everyone, but the pirates in the National League central is probably mostly good with a series of question marks. It's just like that. Like what I tell you when we were talking about the first game, it's like, well, I uh, still don't know much about who's going to end this thing on top. There are pluses and minuses mm-hmm. to each team, but uh, the Reds lost two out of three uh, to the Tigers start the season. Go figure. But um, the Cubs often, looked really good. Um, Contreras and Rizzo in particular have been especially locked in. Rizzo has three home runs in, his first, in the first four games of the season. Contreras mm-hmm. has been taking a lot of tough pitches and then uh, finding his pitch, and he's been hitting a lot of doubles, I think, as far as here. He has three doubles. So it's like uh, what's, what's looked good on the, from the offensive side is just guys being extremely patient. Like, uh, mm-hmm. that's what I feel like won us the World Series in 2016 was, um, I don't remember the exact metric, but they were one of the, the most patient teams really of all time when it came to uh, the amount of pitches um, seen per, per plate appearance. And, um, <clears throat> and then just waiting for the pitch that you're going to be able to hammer that, you know, all these, um, a professional <laughs> major league batter should do a, a majority of the time. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's tough when you just run into the pitchers that don't give you any of those uh, few opportunities. Uh, thus far, with you know average pitching at best by the Brewers and uh, the Reds, it's been it's been really good to see those really good ABs by uh, up and down the lineup. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that's pretty accurate. I like I would say I would think I'm changing my tune to the Cubs are probably mostly good, uh, but we'll have to see. They're probably that, mostly good. They're probably because, mostly yeah, good. Like you said, uh, the the longest tenured bullpen arm is Kyle Ryan, who in the middle of April of last year. So no members of the bullpen were on, of the 2020 bullpen were on the, uh, the uh, uh, opening day roster of last season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the pitcher who's still on the team is Tyler Chatwood, who's now a, now a starter and had a nice start as well. I uh, forgot to mention him, but um, he, uh, uh, or sorry, the, the bullpen in general, yes, is basically like the, 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 the same Theo technique of, well, we have, a collection of guys who may or may not be good. A lot of them have good stuff. A lot of them uh, have good uh, location. We'll just see what happens. And <laughs> it's just a constant, I mean, uh, it's just a constant rotating wheel between, you know, the, the minor leaguers and, well, in this case, I guess, like the, whatever they're called, squad uh, <laughs> and, and the current major, major leaguers. So we'll see. But um, I don't know. It's, uh, uh, if, if there is a weakness, that's likely it. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think the Cardinals are probably where I thought they would be. I think two and one is probably mm-hmm. it was pro- was a really good, really good start to the season. I was kind of hoping for a sweep against Pittsburgh, but uh, I mean you can't get those all the time, especially at the beginning or at the beginning of seasons. It seems like you're not going to get that consistency against teams that are bad. So you'll get some two and one starts, and you'll get some you know split series and things like that. Um, but I was really encouraged by the Cardinals play this this week. I, they didn't look all that rusty. Um, they have. So far, better strikeout numbers than the past couple of years, um, which is an, a tribute to, you know, Jeff Albert in his second year with the Cardinals here. Um, definitely trying to cut down the strikeout numbers. I mean, they had 26 in three games, which, you know, you can say that's almost nine a game. But in today's baseball, like nine strikeouts a game is not very many. So that's pretty mm-hmm. good. 
Um, and the offense is, I think, is going to be fine this year. I mean, Goldschmidt looks great. Paul DeYoung looks great. Um, Tommy Edmonds picking up where he did last year, which is really great to see. And then my, I guess, my pet for the year is Tyler O'Neill. He's going to be the guy that I'm going to probably, uh, I'm going to cheer for the most this year because a lot of people <laughs> talked about how he was going to give up playing time to Dylan Carlson, one of our top, our top prospect. Um, but really like he been playing really well, his slugging his way up, his OPS is good. Like he's, he had a good start. So I'm pretty happy with how the Cardinals started. Now I will say the one question mark is not so much the back end of the rotation, but in particular, um, when we looked at Kim, Kim was pretty shaky in his closing role. And I didn't really think he would be the closer. I thought we'd have like Giovanni Gallegos, um, whenever he comes back from quarantine, um, with that, but it doesn't, it seems like they're pretty hellbent on having Kim be the closer. And that kind of gives me a little bit of pause as that game on Sun, or I guess it was Friday when he tried, went in to close it, he gave up, uh, no, was it, which day was it? One of these, one of the games he came in and it wasn't as good as it could have been. I think it was, I think it was, fr- it was, uh, the Friday game. He, uh, loaded the bases, let a couple runs in, and it got it got kind of out of hand for him. It was definitely very shaky. So I don't know. I yeah, still he's, I would, he's, uh, oh sorry. He's so at a nine for now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it, it was shaky. He was he was off. And you can put that as jitters probably, but I still someone I don't like closers who don't throw like ninety five plus. And he's just not a guy that throws with a high velo. He's it's hard to it's just like it, you you look for that guy to be just like having the velocity that if he's not on that night, he can still just blow you away. <laughs> right. Right. You don't have to locate if you're 95 up. Like, yeah, you do. Like, you can't leave right. it over the plate. But, like, you don't have to locate as fine as someone who has to throw like, 92 or 90 exactly. or, or 90 or 89 or, or whatever. 80, or 87 with Kyle Hendricks. <laughs> yeah. Like, if Kyle Hendricks leaves the ball over the plate, it doesn't matter how good of a pitch it was. Like, exactly. if it's over the plate and above the knees, it's getting yeah. hammered. Yeah, and that's when it's like you 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 just uh, pray for the concentration to take hold every time because it's like it's like when Jamie Moyer passed the age of thirty six, like until he was whatever forty four or whatever that he pitched. Mm-hmm. It was like if he's on and he's usually pretty good, but if he's off, look out because he's he's gonna get shelled. <laughs> right, exactly. You, you should wear like a batting helmet when he pitches if he's not on. Right. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> so I think so. Like we didn't. I would say this, the Cardinals are probably what they, what we thought they were. And we didn't really learn a whole lot from the Pittsburgh series, but I think we'll get some really good uh, watermarks here with like the twins coming up and the brewers, I think is a better, uh, better measuring stick of how this Cardinals team might shake out for the rest of the season. Uh, The twins are salty. They're a good, good baseball team. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, other than the angels, I'd say the twins are probably my team that I'm rooting for the most in the AL. Yeah, for sure. I we have a two we have a two game split or yeah two game set with Minnesota. Um, we have Carlos tonight and then Miles Michaelis tomorrow. Um, I would suspect that I would hope that we would at least split that series. Um, but you never know; those two game series are kind of different or kind of crazy. Um, any other takeaways from the weekend that you saw? Um, <clears throat> I'd say that uh, Kyle Schwarber looks locked in as well. He's a, he's notorious for taking almost too many pitches sometimes. I, I, I'd like to see, I don't know the metric, but on his uh, called out 
on strike uh, rate, like per his strikeout rate. But mm-hmm. it seems like he's constantly like staring right in. If he's if he's almost always right, but if the pitcher's getting the outside corner, you got to protect that outside corner with two strikes. So that's about uh, you know when he's almost like too patient at times. But he's been very patient and he's hammered the pitches that uh, that he's got to hit. So that's been nice to see. Um, and um, <clears throat> also just nice production from from the up and down the lineup in general, because the way that they have it stacked with KB, Rizzo, Baez, uh, Schwarber, Contreras, in either order, and then um, the rest, basically. So it's like then, you know, Hayward, or if it's Bodie or Kipnis, or uh, Horner, or um, <clears throat> Caratini, you know, with the DH that he's been doing a little bit. So... They, uh, up and down the lineup, though, they've been very good, like, professional patient bats, as I said earlier. It's just, like, it's, it's nice to see, um, as Jason Kipnis hits a triple uh, last night. That was a, that was a, uh, a highlight. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was very amateur. No, yeah, Jason Kipnis hit a triple that night. Not last night. That was good to see, too. No, but uh, that's, that's what I was trying to say. Just uh, good professional bats up and down the lineup. Yeah, I... Some some things to look forward to. Actually, things I I'll start from things I saw from the weekend. Um, Yankees probably are going to be really good. They look scary. Mm-hmm. I watched a couple of Yankees games against the Nationals. They look really really good. Um, yes. I think the Angels are going to be bad again. Unfortunately, I watched a lot of Angels uh, athletics games. Yes, and that, Angels look really that, bad. Yes, that game on Friday was just a little bit painful to watch. It was just like, I think it was still no score in like the sixth inning, but it was one of those where it's like, it's not quite a pitcher's duel. It's just a lot of, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> just average baseball. Well, what was, well, what was great was actually that we, that series produced the first uh, walk-off uh, Grand Slam since like 1986. And it also produced the, uh, I think it was the first extra innings game where they had the uh, runner start on second was from that series battles that's right but hold on we were first at there was that on there from their organization the last uh, walk off grand slam on opening uh, day though opening day opening day on opening day okay there we go sorry (laughs) i forgot that i may have forgot that qualifier Mm, yes 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 on opening day i see which i was gonna say that was that was wild. Jason Hayward and David Bodie did in the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, it was wild to watch that the first um, seeing the runner start at second, and the Angels didn't score, which I was kind of surprised. I at least thought yeah. that the that I thought, and I, I still think this is to a certain extent, is I think we're going to see a lot of teams score in those innings, but scoring the second run is going to be the toughest part, in my opinion. I feel go. like there's going to be a lot of games where it's like. Both both teams score one in the tenth, score one in the eleventh, score one in the twelfth, and then in the thirteenth they both like one scores one and then the home team scores two or vice versa or whatever. I think we're gonna. I have a feeling we're gonna see a lot of that, but it was kind of it was kind of crazy to see that like a major league baseball team didn't score with someone on uh, second with no outs like immediately, especially when you get like late in the games with relief pitchers and how they can be kind of crazy at some times, especially to find, like, it kind of seems like leaf pitchers need like a batter or two to like kind of find their groove sometimes, you know? Absolutely. Um, Yeah, that's uh, very true. Sorry. I was, I was mildly distracted by my previous point being proven (laughs) with, (laughs) 
Jason Hayward, David Bodie, and Jason Kipnis uh, resulting in a run here with guys that got on base. So those are not usually – and now here's Horner, who's one for one already. So it's like those are not the guys. You think about, you know, the top five guys as like the producers, but um, it's been nice to see that too. Sorry, I zoned out a little bit about what you said, but I'm sure I agree with it. Okay. <laughs> For sure. Um, and then the last point before kind of moving on to something else. Um, what I see from the Cardinals moving forward is I still think it's going to be really interesting to see how the outfield comes out for whenever Dylan Carlson's ready to come up from uh, satellite camp. Um, the, the talk at the beginning of the season was probably going to be split time between him and Tyler O'Neill. I personally think that's the wrong choice, but I also do think that that's going to be changing, especially if, if O'Neill can continue to walk at the rate that he, that he has shown in the past to kind of go at sometimes and strike out less than in the less at a less rate than he has in the past. If he can like just strike out less, put balls in play more and walk, um, that's, I think he's going to end up staying. And Harrison Bader, I mean, he, I, I honestly think he's probably on the chopping block for the Cardinals compared to either Fowler or for um, O'Neill when it comes to splitting time with Dylan Carlson. As they've been playing Dylan in some of the in some of the camps with uh, summer training in center field as well as the corner outfield spots, and then they've also um, he just he just hasn't gotten. He's a glove only guy. And I don't think there's any chance of him ever becoming anything more than that. It's just, we've seen almost two, almost we've seen two plus years of Harrison Bader, not be able to make adjustments at the plate. And I think that his leash is going to get really, really short, even though you have an elite glove in the outfield at a very important position. I just think that your glove can only carry you so far at some point you have to be able to produce at a clip. That's not, you know, 52% below league average on OPS or something yeah. like that. You got to be able to, you got to be right. like at least competent at the plate. Um, yeah. Yeah, every time the Cubs play the Cardinals and I see his stat line come up, I'm like, ooh, Harrison Bader. Thought that stat line that OBP would look a little bit better by now. <laughs> yeah, you would think. Yeah, you would think. It's, but, but, the, but again, he's got an elite glove, so it's hard to get rid of an elite right. glove in center field. But. Yeah. I don't know. It's getting harder and harder. It's just, it's getting harder to justify his production offensively for his glove on, on defense. Um, Literally. Okay. Wait, pause real quick. What the entire last, whatever, two or three minutes of you just talking about Harrison Bader could have been directly applied to Alvin Amora Jr. Yes. <laughs> could have. Yes. <laughs> Elite center fielder makes some highly real plays. He's not fast, but he makes the perfect line to the ball every time but he is not confident at the plate <laughs> yeah and it, it drives you crazy because it seems like and Colton Wong used to be this way and then he got he got much better his but it used to be you it seemed like you saw the same at bat all season long it was the same thing over and over again it would be like right Harrison Bader it's always gets brushed off the plate, slider away or curveball away in the dirt and strikes out like almost like Randall Gritchick was the same way <laughs> and they, it just was the same at bat over and over again. And Wong was Wong yeah. was similar too, where Wong would always swing at the slider on his back foot. And now that he's there made his go. adjustment, Colton Wong is now no longer just an elite defender. He's a competent offensive threat as well. Not like the power bat that we thought that he could be, but he's a yeah. competent player or competent offensive player as well as a gold glove defensive player. And that's, and that's all we would want from, from Harrison Bader is to be, 
elite in the outfield and competent at bat, but he's never, I don't think he's ever going to be that way. And I think that the Cardinals organization needs to seriously consider splitting his time with Dylan Carlson and then seriously consider figuring out what you're going to do in that center field position going forward next couple of years. There you go. For sure. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they do there. Um, yeah. When you were talking about striking out on low and breaking balls, I immediately thought of Javi Baez as well, who still gets into that rut where he'll just swing at everything. If his head's like, he's just going up there, you know, thinking, hitting a home run on every pitch that he takes, pulling it. He does that. But once he, once he lays off a few of those and then he turns an outside half breaking ball or fastball opposite field for power, that's mm-hmm. when just, that's when he's good because he's just taking the pitch exactly how it comes and exactly hitting it exactly what needs to happen. But it's just how it's just Alfonso Soriano is the same way for the Cubs. It just, he could never figure out how to lay off that breaking ball all the way. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I would probably do the same thing, but it's uh, you got to learn to do it. Yeah, <laughs> gonna for be- sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty wild. And just the thing is, like, Javi Baez is an elite power guy, and Harrison Bader is yeah. just not. He's not going to be. So yeah, that, um, yeah. <laughs> so do we want to talk at all about Marlins, Miami, Philadelphia thing? I mean, there's <sighs> much smarter people than us to talk about it. Like Jeff Passan has yeah. been all over it. Um, just there's a lot of COVID t- cases. Um, some people are talking about what is Major League Baseball going to do? And they haven't canceled games outside of the Phillies and Marlins, so it seems like baseball is just going to kind of keep going. But, like, some people are talking about should they cancel the season? Should they suspend the season? Should they just cancel the Marlins? Like, what? I don't know, Brian. What Do you, what, do you have any thoughts at all, or do you want to skip right over it? Uh, it's, been, it's been getting me down today, I'm not going to lie. But – my, my uh, I guess my overarching thought is you have now um, 16, no, 15 players with it mm-hmm. uh, and a couple coaches. I think there's 17 total now that came out today. And they've also said that, over, what was it, over 4,000, over 6,000 tests that happened since Friday and none else are, have been positive thus far right. for any, any other team. There was one club, the, the visiting team, clubhouse attendant for the Phillies, Got it. Surprise, surprise. Um, but that's just the, you know, that's just the, the risk that you laid out very clearly last week when you said we shouldn't be doing this <laughs> because yeah. we shouldn't be doing this. And that's like, I love talking about baseball and I'm happy to talk about the Cubs bullpen at ad nauseum, but at the same time, we shouldn't be doing this. So that's, uh, I- that's, it's just I, – I, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I think the easiest solution would just be to cancel the Marlins. Uh, at this point, they've already uh, postponed or canceled all their games through Sunday. It's 60 games in 66 days. Are they just going to not have any off days or just have double headers? Or, you know, what's – there's not – there's well, just a limit of time here also. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, so they could postpone just Marlins games. They can do that because there, there has been times where the league has had – uh, different teams have different – endings game totals and it's mm-hmm. it's always been like in the past it's been like rainouts or like gotten dark and they couldn't remake the game another time and it usually was because and then they usually don't make it up because it's like oh it doesn't make a difference in the standings it doesn't mm-hmm. make a difference in any playoff race or a pennant race 
or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So that is actually like as silly as it sounds, it's actually not a bad or terrible or unprecedented idea. Um, And it's really encouraging to see that there's tests of other teams that haven't gotten it. Now the Phillies, there's still time, like, I guess supposedly when it comes to these tests that it could take a couple of days for the coronavirus to show up in those tests that come from Miami or can be traced back to the Miami series. But it is encouraging to right. see that there hasn't been any positive tests from that yet. However, I, I felt really good when Dr. Fauci talked about how baseball didn't need to cancel the season, but they had to definitely tighten some stuff up. That was encouraging to me. Um, and I think honestly, like the be- if you wanted to keep the same amount of games, I would have just suspended this season for seven days. That's I think that would make more sense because then you could take a little bit of time to and you could say, hey, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do going forward. We want to get the yeah. most. We want the competition to be as level as possible. We're going to suspend play for seven games or for seven days. And then we're going to figure out the schedule. We're either going to make them up or we won't make them up. And it's just because there's so many on one team. And I think it would be even appropriate if there was like 17 cases across the whole entire league. I think it might even be appropriate to do a suspension of the season for like seven days from that point too. Just to kind of see, again, like I said, it it takes time for these COVID virus to show up in some tests. Just to be like, hey – do we have this thing completely under control within these like five to seven days to get just, I think I, I hate when people don't take their time to assess stuff. Cause like, it's not a point of weakness and it's not a point of like, you don't know what you're doing. It's we're trying to figure it out. And sometimes just taking a step back and taking a breath is the best option that you can have. Um, yeah, we shouldn't, <clears throat> we shouldn't have to wait until it's too late to do the suspension of the season, which just seems like it always ends up happening. Like, you know, it's like uh, once it gets to like a tipping point where it's like of no return, it's like, okay, well, a suspension likely means like a cancellation. Like, I feel like that's, you know, what ends up happening. So it's like, you know, if they can figure out a way to do that, I mean, it's just inherent with the travel, I guess, and the not doing a bubble. I mean, the guys yeah. are more exposed but um it's just there's there's inherent risks with doing it you know Fauci throughout the first pitch would just he agreed to do that and he said the season shouldn't be canceled I like to see that but it's just uh it's tough yeah well so so two points you kind of touched on here um as I kind of lose my train of thought here. So the first point, the first point that I have is some people have gone back and have talked about, well, why isn't MLB in a bubble? And they've like brought it up again as to like major league baseball has kind of screwed this up. So the whole point of not going into the bubble was when they were first negotiating everything out was that they thought they were going to play like 80 games or hundred games or whatever. And that was just too long to be with families. I'm really surprised that major league baseball didn't go back or the players association didn't go back when they settled on 60 games and go, well, wait a minute, let's revisit this bubble situation. Cause I totally get the, the thing about not wanting to be away from your family for four months or five months or whatever. But then mm-hmm. now that you are like closer to like 60 games where it's like closer to two months, it's like, well, now does it make, I think that makes more sense. Cause that's what the NHL is doing and what basketball is doing. And even though like we talked about how there might not be facilities and places that aren't hot spots like Arizona and Florida, um, I just, I don't know. I kind of find it strange that they just never went back to that, the drawing board on that. They never revisited yeah. that point. Yeah. 
<clears throat> that's a good point. It's like, yeah, it's like, why not uh, reassess at this point if there is a better solution to the way that they did this for sure. Yeah. And I had a second point. I can't really remember it now. Um, that's all right. That's okay. Yeah. It's the not, it wasn't are, that important. Are, I'd say that uh, I'm glad we're talking about this is important, but at the same time, I feel like the people uh, are, are hearing a lot about that stuff. So why don't we, what do you feel like we move on to feels like? Let's move on to feels like. Okay. So feels like game to just reiterate, I, Brian mentioned at the top, but basically it came from our conversation about Jonathan's scope. And also I think, who was, yeah. And I think it was, there was another player that I said felt like an Arizona diamondback and he wasn't a diamondback. I think he was a national or something like that. Yes. No, no. Uh, I, was it Garcia or who, who was it that you, it was the first one. And I said, he felt like a national and he wasn't a national. I don't remember, but anyway, there was just, there are just players <laughs> out there that like when you hear their name or, you just think of a certain franchise or opposite. Whenever you hear a franchise, you kind of just randomly think about this player. And this player is not like an iconic player, not going to go in the hall of fame. Probably, probably doesn't have their, their, their number retired, but just like, has always been just there, just right. a guy there. Always been there. Yeah. yeah Jonathan <laughs> scope, good. Jonathan scope as an Oriole has, is just what I feel. That's just what he feels like. So he's going to feel like an Oriole. So we decided to do the, uh, I think we decided to do the NL and AL West, correct, for this, this week? Right. Okay. So I have, I have both divisions actually here. I do um, as well. You do as well. Okay. So let's start with AL West if you, if you would. Would you want to do that? Absolutely. And you just go through the list in the order that you choose, and I'll say mine right after you. Okay. So I'll start, I'm going to start with the angels because I thought about, there was a lot of them that I actually went through. Cause I, at first I thought, man, Tim Salmon sounds like a, uh, like an angels guy, right. and, but he's, he was too good. Tim Salmon was too good. He was a 93 rookie of the year. He's the all time le- uh, leader in angels history for home runs. I didn't realize this. Wow. I just he's still more than trout now. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, so Tim Salmon, I just always knew him from, like, 2004 or the 2000 World Series and just never – or 2002 World Series, sorry, 2002 World Series. And I guess I never realized yeah. that he <laughs> had, like, an OPS of – OPS uh, plus of 128. He was, like, a World Series champion, 40.6 war. He was really good. Darren Erstad was my second choice. He's kind of the same way. He's actually really too good for this list. This list. So yeah. I thought about it, and I landed on Jared Weaver. Jared Weaver, in my book, will always, be, Weaver. Will always yes. be an angel and a red ass in my whole entire – and every time I think about that guy. Um, 34.6 <laughs> war. He was a, a Cy Young uh, runner-up and finished in the top five yeah. multiple times. Now, what's funny yes, about it, Brian? I, yeah, he started funny, an all-star game too, I think. Yes. So, what's funny about Jared <laughs> Weaver, as I look him up here, Jared Weaver, when you look at like the Cy Young totals for those years that he uh, got second and third, you look at like the strikeout totals of those years, and you have like, so the year that he went runner-up, you have Verlander won the Cy Young that year, and he's got like. 250 strikeouts. James yeah. Shields has like 225. CC Sabathia was like 230. 
Clayton Kershaw's yeah. like 248. And then you have Jared Weaver with like 198, which is like a lot yeah. for him. For him, that's a lot because the year after he finished third with 142 strikeouts, which is just insane. Just ridiculous that someone would try to get a – would be very, very close to winning a Cy Young with like that low of a strikeout. Yeah. That was a great year for him. I remember that was like – I feel like he peaked early with velocity. Like for this – I feel like it was like the latter half, like the second half of his career, he relied almost exclusively on location, and that's when he wasn't really the same player. But I feel like he lost the velocity a little bit early. Well, so I could never – I can't ever remember him throwing harder than like 86. Yeah, ever. Ever. Like I know he probably did at some point, but like I just remember him – like grunting and like throwing the ball as hard as he can, as he can. And then like, boom, 83 shows up. Yeah. It's not a change up. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, that's his four seamer. Uh, I I feel like I've never seen him smile. And like, he goes in with that super long hair in the mouth, just looking in. He looks like he's about to throw the ball like 200 miles an hour. And then he just gets it in there. Yeah. Like 87 on the quarter. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, one and then one more point before going to uh, your Angels player here. Shout out to Fernando Rodney in 2012. He was fifth in Cy Young, and I would make an argument that he may have actually deserved to win it because his line <laughs> is just freaking ridiculous. In 76 yes. games, he had a .6 ERA, which is just insane yes. ridiculous for a reliever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was uh, I like I want to say what was his WAR that year? Sorry, I'm looking at the, his page right now. I think that was his top WAR season, but he had 3.7 WAR as a reliever. Like nobody gets 3.7 WAR as a reliever. <laughs> no, no, think, no, not at all. You know, unless you're Rivera or like a couple seasons of Lee Smith or Trevor Hoffman. Like if you're a reliever, that or Craig Kimbrell actually I looked up this today a couple of these seasons, but that's very hard to do, especially with him who didn't throw hard either. <laughs> he was right. a lot stuff down <laughs> yeah so shout out fernando rodney in 2012 that was a pretty dope season all right who was your angels guy and briefly shout out to fernando rodney with the cubs in 2015 as a mid-season uh pickup and then he was fantastic the rest of the way anyway my is howie kendrick okay I- yeah last, last week as well but howie kendrick was just a guy i, I wanted to um just quantify it because it, it felt like for it felt like the better part of a decade every time I turned on a game that the Angels were playing he was at the top of the lineup and they, he was on oh, yeah. within like 10 seconds of the game being on it was just like he was he was like this guy who was already there, always there and yeah. uh, he, had, he had very good numbers with them too he, he's still a career 294 hitter he's uh, 36 years old right now he was obviously the hero last year with with Washington but like it was just Howie Kendrick is going to lead off for the Angels is like that was just a definitive fact almost every day for like a decade. <laughs> so yeah, Howie Kendrick and Justin Upton has the same quality where it seems like no matter, like every time I go to catch an angels game within three batters, it's Howie Kendrick or Justin Upton. It doesn't matter where in the yes. lineup. It doesn't matter what part of the game. Just one of those two guys was going to show up like immediately. Yes. Like, Kendrick's going to be in the upper half of the lineup, and Upton's going to be in the lower half, and you're going to see one of one or the other. That's true. Well, yeah, it, yeah. Even if they didn't play on the same – I don't know if they played on the same Angels team. But anyway, the point, the point is, is, like, you're going to see Justin Upton, like, as soon as you turn on the TV for an Angels game, or you're going to see Howie Kendrick back in the day 
as three yeah. Yeah. Team. It didn't <laughs> matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're true. They didn't. I, they haven't played together, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move to Oakland Athletics here. Okay. So for me, this one was super easy. I went with Coco Crisp. Coco Crisp nice. just is always going to feel like an athletic, and he's like yeah. the athletics personified. Like guy who bounced around the league was drafted by the Cardinals. Actually it was draft, like not drafted super duper high, kind of a saber dude. Um, Coco's <laughs> real name is Covelli. Learned that did not know that. Um, his war was 28.9 over 15 years, which is like fine. Pretty, That's pretty good. That's bad. pretty good. Yeah. Over, over yeah. 15 years is not bad. And, and his OPS yeah. was like OPS plus is like 96. So he's like, Average. Okay. <laughs> like super duper right. average yeah. but like he yeah, was good on defender. yeah he was just like on like random teams that were good including like some of those a's teams um and i just was like yeah coco chris is just an a just that's who he that's right. what the a's are they're coco crisp kind of the kind a's of weird are... but kind of like just average too <laughs> the a's are coco crisp yeah that's a good that's a, another way that i started to think about it it's a good point that it was like does this player to me embody the way that I also view this franchise. Right. I feel like that was a, another way that I started to look at it. So um, other than, you know, the, his last year when he was uh, an opponent of the Cubs in the World Series in 2016, yes, definitely. I, I immediately think of Coco Crisp as an A also. That's a very good choice. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for mine? Mm-hmm. Mine is Eric Sogard. Air, oh, okay. Eric and Sogard. For a, couple, for a couple reasons. Because the first impression that you have I guess for better or for worse uh, that we all make is just when you look at a guy and Eric Sogard wears goggles and it mm-hmm. seems like there's just not a lot of guys who wear goggles and the players that do always play for like it's like the A's the Marlins you know like I think of like Kevin Gray with the Marlins or like I mean it was K-Rod of course for a while but like when you wear goggles you're like going for a look and it's like the A's kind of attracted guys that were like maybe not as uh, didn't quite look the same at the plate or, or uh, you know, have a, have a goofy swing or something, but if they get on base, they get on base. So, er- no, Eric's, Eric Sogard is the, uh, Eric Sogard is the backup guitarist in a shoegaze band. That's what he looks like. <laughs> Cause he's got like the real pointy jaw. And then like, sometimes he has like yeah. a scruffy beard but he's, his glasses aren't even goggles. They're not like spec recs. They're like erect specs. They're just like regular reading glasses. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> a hipster, like, like a guy that lives in like Logan Square or like the Grove in St. Louis. Like that's what the guy looks like. He should – like I wouldn't be surprised if Eric Sogar wears flannel under his uniform. <laughs> like he has wire rim glasses basically that he's playing professional baseball with. Like who plays yeah. baseball anymore? Firing glasses past the 1970s. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, yeah. It's just like there's that one picture. I think I had it up as my uh, Twitter banner for a long time of the guy in the Korean baseball league that wore wire rim glasses from like the 70s. He was like a DH for I think like the Tigers or something like that, like Kia Tigers. Him and Eric Sogar okay. are definitely like bosom buddies from like kindred spirits across the world from each other. I'm totally with you. There. <laughs> Eric Sogard is a very good choice for the A's. When did he play for the A's? Cause I, I kind of forgot he was an A for a while. So he played for the A's from 2010 through 2015. So six okay. seasons. Okay. Or out of baseball in 2016, then a uh, year and a half of Milwaukee, 
uh, or no, sorry, two years with Milwaukee where he was injured, then uh, Toronto, Tampa Bay, now back to Milwaukee this season. So okay. I see the last time he played was in 2015 with Oakland. I, I, I would have thought that he was more recently with them. But that goes to show how I just hit my elbow on my desk as I exclaim that that goes to show that he feels like an A. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, a- yeah. I do remember him. I do remember him as a Blue Jay, though. Like I do have like very yeah. vivid memories. I mean, none of them are great. Just like, oh, I'm watching an A's game and Eric Sogard's at the plate. Or right. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go. Let's go Rangers next here. So right. Rangers. This one was actually the hardest one for me because, like, here's the thing about the Texas Rangers. It's challenging for me too. Texas Rangers. You're either really freaking good or you're really freaking bad. <laughs> that's the only thing it's like every rangers player that i could think of i'm like that guy's really freaking good like joey gallo is like really really good rafael palmero really really good nolan ryan was really really good like i couldn't think and like even like rugned odor was like too i thought he was too good for this list like when i too think good yeah because especially with good. the punch too he's too good yeah he's a little too iconic and that's one of the things is like this list you can't have the player be too iconic or famous, but not too famous. So I went with Mike Napoli on this one because Mike Napoli, yeah, because Mike Napoli wasn't on the Rangers for very long. He and he bounced around. He was like on Boston. He was on some other teams. Won a championship with Boston, I believe. But he, I always think of Mike Napoli as a Ranger, and it's funny because he like would bounce from like the Rangers to a team, back to the Rangers to another team, back to the Rangers. So it was like. Yeah, he was kind of just always wanting to be a ranger. So, like, that's what I think of him. Um, but he was only, like, he only spent, like, three years total in Texas. And his nickname is Porterhouse, which is, like, perfect. It's just a perfect nickname for a guy that looks like that. He looks like a, a thumb. A thumb. He's got very strong thumb thought, uh, vibes. <laughs> he, does, he does look like a thumb. And now he looks like a big hairy thumb because he's a coach for the Cubs and he's let that thing grow his beard. It's oh. phenomenal. Oh, I didn't yeah, know a, that. He's a, I want to say he's a quality assurance coach or like a, a assistant hitting coach for the Cubs. I forget which. Wait, but, quality uh, of service? A quality assurance. Quality assurance, even stranger. Yes, or what? What is it? What's the quality? It's some quality quality. Qual- <laughs> quality assurance is a weird baseball title. I don't think it is baseball. Is there? Yes, he is. That night was not wrong. I did not uh, make that up. Uh, Mike Napoli is the quality assurance coach. What and, uh, the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> what that means, I don't know, but uh, he assures quality. So I'm glad that he does that. Well, I'm sh- great. Good for him. We all, we all need but, a job these days. <laughs> he, he assures quality. What do you do? Get that uh, bag, Mike. Get that bag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I didn't know that he spent five seasons with the Angels. Yeah, well, so I knew that, and like he, but he just never felt like an angel. He was always a ranger to me. Yeah. Like he just looks well, okay, better here's, in blue. Here's another reason too that I think that we, he always feels like a ranger is that the two years that he spent in Texas, I believe, are the two years that he went to the World Series. Oh, well, yeah, that's true too. So yeah. that too, I remember like seeing him extended period of time. Like, there's maybe reasons that these things stick in our brains more particularly because yeah, he. And he was with Boston for longer, I think, than he was with even Texas. With Cleveland full, for a full season, but all that. What about the Rangers? You're right. It's been long. All right. How about you? All right. My choice is was also challenging. This was, uh, was uh, one that I had to labor over for a little bit. But 
<laughs> I want to. I hope you remember this guy, Royce Clayton. Royce Clayton. Okay. You remember Royce Clayton? Well, that name is hard to forget, but I can't put any. I can't put a face to the name. Royce Clayton was was the ultimate journeyman in baseball. He was a uh, an infield, I think, primarily shortstop, but he played with the Giants, Cardinals, Rangers, White Sox, Brewers, Rockies, Diamondbacks, Nationals, Reds, Jays, and Red Sox. And that's as far as I got. Uh, that was really silly to sing it that way, but you know what? It worked. That's what I did. It worked. But he did spend uh, three seasons with the Cardinals too, from '96 to '98. Um, but he was a he was a career two fifty eight hitter. 110 home runs. He was just like the epitome of like a guy who's on a team. But for me, it, and I think it's probably uh, from the rookie because he's the guy and it was actually true that he was the, uh, uh, the, the one strikeout, the guy that, you know, if, if you've seen the yeah. rookie. Yeah, uh, yeah. When okay. He comes in, it's, it's Royce Clayton against the, the Rangers that he plays there. Oh, like, like okay. He was like, he's just like a guy who you find on a team, but more often than not, I thought of him with the Rangers. Royce Clayton sounds like an RBI baseball name. <laughs> like, it sounds <laughs> like the, the most recent <laughs> yeah. name you can, like, if, when I think of RBI baseball, I think of Royce Clayton, like that type of name for some reason. I know. <laughs> I know, like, RBI baseball in, like, theories, like, the same as, like, MVP baseball was. Like, it was all, like, the players that played during the time. But, like, Royce Clayton is just, for some reason, I just got, like, hardcore, like, 90s SNES Nintendo vibes there. So that's a good one. I'm, that's a good one. You went with, like, this, this – not I wouldn't say the suck part because 250 is, like, hard in baseball to do. But, like, he was just not famous at all. <laughs> Yeah, he was, uh, he was, he had 19.5 career war. He was an all-star one time. He was like the definition of a guy who like just kept getting paid and kept showing up and playing, but he's never going to be, you know, a, a, a player of any notoriety. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Totally makes sense. All right. Let's go with, mm, I'm going to do a quick one on this one. I, or we'll do the Astros, even though technically they're in all central for the longest time. Um, when I think yes. of the Astros, this one's kind of like, like the Rangers as well. There's a lot of guys on the team that were really, really good. Like you get Berkman and you get Biggio and Bagwell and Royals, Waltz and Brad Lidge was one that I thought about. Octavio Dotel is my honorable mention on this one, but he spent more time like as a Yankee than he did at Houston. So I'm going to go with Brad Osmus is like my Astro guy. The guy looks like he should be from Texas, even though he's not from Texas. And his career, I believe, like spanned almost 20 years. And he had like a 16 and a half war, which like just goes to show. Oh, yeah. It's his baseball reference page is just abysmal. It's sad. It's It, it just it just like goes to show that if you're like a good defensive catcher and you played between like 1995 and 2010, you had a job, like always had a job, <laughs> and you were always yeah. starting. It didn't matter who else was there. It was just like, oh, you like could win a you won like two or three gold gloves. Who gives a shit if you bat 190? <laughs> like one of those things. My name's Paul Bacco, or like who's yeah. another guy. It's like a guy, like Benji Molina. <laughs> he was uh, sitting at about two seventy or whatever those two, days. But two of three, <laughs> two of three Molinas made their career that way. Mosey Molina, also exactly, yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, that's what it is. And Brad, I mean, I don't have any like great memories of Brad Osmus. I mean, I don't think Detroit Tigers fans have any great memories of Brad Osmus. Astros fans. I mean, if if an Astro fan want, wants to come in with a great Brad Osmus moment, go ahead and like hit me up on Twitter. <laughs> but like, I just know that that guy was just always there. He was always yeah. catching. He was just there. Probably the only uh, the only like uh, like. Um situation that I remember him being in the most was the World Series against the White Sox in 2005 because I remember watching that World Series like every game because I was so in I was so spiteful for the White Sox being in it and the Cubs not having been in it the, either the two years before that uh, I just wanted the White Sox to lose now I don't I do not share that uh, th- thought anymore I'd be happy if the White Sox won World Series I think it would be good for the city and they have scary lineup but uh, they um I just remember, like, hoping against hope that the Astros would beat the White Sox in that World Series. And Brad Austin was hit 250 in the World Series. So, that like, that's exactly – what was his career ratting average? I bet it was 250. It was 251. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The guy was yeah, like, like – The guy was a 250 guy. <laughs> yeah, he was 250 guy. He was fine. Not great, not no. bad. All right, what about you? Astros, what do we got? Astros for me. And – I am curious if you remember this guy, Willie Tavares. Yes, I believe I remember. Reliever, right? No, center fielder. Oh, see, Super- yeah, I don't remember him. Don't remember he him. Was, uh, <laughs> don't remember him. <laughs> so he was a center fielder from 2004 to 2006. But he's a guy, when I think back, I, 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 I can't imagine him ever playing for another team. But because, like, those, especially those two years, 2005, 2006, he hit 291 and 278. He was like pretty good at the plate, but he got a lot of hits. He 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 led Major League Baseball in infield hits in 2005 with 71 of the of his 172 hits were infield hits. So he was just fast as blazes. Um, and I remember watching him in center field because you have to climb up that stupid ridge that was stupid oh. hill in center field that many made. Hey, and, don't call like, that stupid. Tulsa was cool. <laughs> I liked it. It was cool. Until you're like. Like a really athletic center fielder, like Willie Tavares, running straight toward it at full, uh, like, and then having to adjust at the very end to like literally like scale it upwards in a in a, in a motion that base, major league baseball players have never had to experience ever before. <laughs> well, so wait a minute. One of Jim Edmonds' best catches of all time was on Tall's Hill, and that's probably why. That's probably one of the reasons why I'm probably like pro Tall's Hill. Like one of the best <laughs> catches go. of all time. Right, and Jim yeah. Edmonds is also always a cardinal. <laughs> oh yeah yeah you can't use him he's too iconic but yeah he's definitely like cardinals he's like he's a too cardinal. iconic yeah yeah he's a night he's cardinal franchise in a nutshell when it comes to players um yeah, angels too he spent most of his more years with angels yeah he so when i think of like uniforms when i think of those gray angels uniforms that were like gray and blue i'll think jim edmonds and i was going to make the comment about like if there was one player that like embodied the red astros uniforms it would be like carlos lee not carlos yes carlos lee no (laughs) carlos lee el caballo yeah yeah el caballo yeah el caballo he is definitely like a uniform personified yeah and it's hard to explain i have no explanation for it but when i think of like those red jerseys just like boom it's carlos lee right then and there yeah i think of lee that i think think of carlos beltron too because it goes what they were on too but for sure the red with the gold lettering with the black helmets yeah yes 100 percent unflattering uh uniform for all body types (laughs) right 
All right. Okay. So Mariners here. Mariners, this one, I'm going to admit this one's probably a little bit of a slant for me. Um, I, I spent probably the most time thinking of the Mariners guy. I thought, so when I did this, I did it in the order of Angels, A's, Rangers, Mariners. And when I got done with the Rangers uh, one, I thought, oh man, this rest of this list is going to fly by. And, so I, and then like immediately hit the Mariners and was like, oh crap. I can't think of any <laughs> that were like straight up Mariners. And I thought about like yeah. James Paxton, but again, like James Paxton is okay. like pretty good. Um, yeah, Yankee. Yeah. I think of D Gordon as a, as a Marlin more than I do as a Mariner. So I was like, ah, that doesn't make any sense either. So I just went with Kyle Seeger. And Kyle Seeger, Kyle Seeger <laughs> is not a bad player, not a great player, but not a bad player. Thirty-two point five WAR over ten years, um, and he's just like he's he's almost like the second version of Brendan Ryan. Like Brendan Ryan is an honorable <laughs> mention for Mariners here. Um, just like white dude that looks exactly the same as all the other baseball white dudes, but he's like better. He's like good mostly. <laughs> And Kyle, Kyle Seeger is always going to be iconic to me because of the Jared Weaver toss. I don't know if you remember this, but it was like back in 2015, I think, something like that. Kyle Seeger up at the plate, Jared Weaver pitching. And Kyle Weaver does like the hand placement thing to like call time. And mm-hmm. like Jared Weaver like kind of quick pitches him. So like the next time up or the next pitch – Kyle Weeger like emphatically holds his hand up to the umpire to pot to like call for time and like like yells it you can't go till I'm ready and then he also like they step out of the box and then he like goes back up there and like more sassily says when I'm fucking ready to Jared Weaver and then immediately gets plunked Weaver gets tossed the ball like travels like 84 or something like that right Seager just, Seager's like fake mad or whatever um but that's like why i remember him as a as i'll i'll always think of the mariners as kyle seager just because of that like one moment and then like him also being like mostly good not great but like that's what their mariners are is like they're not great but they're like fine i wouldn't be embarrassed to be a mariners fan there you go that's 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 a good way to think about the mariners franchise the way that i think about the franchise is players that should be better than they are like guys would go over there and you look at this lineup and you look at the Mariners there at the beginning of the season, right there in that in the AL West division, competing with, you know, some great Astros teams recently. And then before that, uh, athletics team, there's been like a, a turn for all of the teams in this division over the last like twenty years, I feel like, except for the Mariners. Like it was probably two thousand one season was the last yeah. season, right? That like mattered for the Mariners. Like yeah, if, exactly. if season, anything mattered, no. <laughs> so like that's what I thought of like people that like you're on the Mariners. You should be good, but you're really not. And the first guy I thought of was Russell Brannion. Russell Brannion. Okay, yeah. So Russell Brannion was a journeyman major leaguer, but I, I remember in my mind, it was, I think it was a couple seasons that he spent with Seattle. So it was 2009 and uh, parts of 2010. It was the only time in his career that he played with Seattle. But for some reason, I just always think of him as the Mariner. And I think it's because of just his mediocrity. Like, he was this huge guy. He's 6'4", 235. He had these giant forearms. It looked like Popeye. But he um, he had a career total of 194 
home runs, but it always looked like he should hit more. Like in 2009, in 116 games with Seattle, he hit 251, he hit 31 bombs that year because it was like easy. Like it looked like he had like the easy power, but over 14 years of his career, he only hit 194 and he had a 232 uh, batting average and a 329 on base percentage. Did he, for did he spend like his whole career in the AL West then? Or like what, what happened? It was Cleveland, Milwaukee, Tampa, San Diego, Philadelphia, St. Louis for 21 games, uh, Milwaukee, Seattle, Cleveland, Seattle, Arizona, Angels. <laughs> yeah, so he basically went to, like, almost all the worst places you could go. <laughs> yeah, he would just, like, show except up. For, like, and, like, except for Miller Park, which, like, hold on. I got something about Miller Park. When, since when has Miller Park been a home run, like, mecca? Because I would, I would, I got questions because it never used to be yes. like that until like three years ago, and I think something fishy's going on. I want someone to look into it. Ever since like two thousand, ever since two thousand sixteen, hasn't it seemed like there's nothing but bombs getting dropped in Miller Park, like balls that are going way over the fence. It's not like it's not like there's a couple. It's not like wall scrapers. Like Bush Stadium, most most home runs are like fourth row at most. But, like, mm-hmm. Miller Park, it's, like, 20 rows deep every single time. And yes. I just want to know what's going on with that because it's never been that way. It wasn't that way from, like, 2000, like, from the beginning of when it opened until, like, the mid-2010s. I am absolutely with you. I mean, the Miller Park's been around a long time. Like, I'm not sure when it was built, but I feel like it's been, like, quite a long time. 2004 or three. So I think okay, like it's old enough that Tory Hunter robbed Barry Bonds in the All Star game there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, another to bolster your point, uh, Christian Yelich's swing does not look to me like it should be as good as it is. I just don't understand it. Like it shouldn't produce that many home runs. It should be doubles only. Yes, he should be like Todd Helton, like king of doubles. Like I do not understand these bombs that are coming off this wiry guy's bat with a strange, like clunky looking slightly swing. I don't get it. Yeah. I, someone look into it. All right. That's all I'm saying. Miller park. We're on to you. There's something fishy going on there. There's something fishy coming Big, from a fan and a Cubs fan. <laughs> something fishy's going on there. All right. That's all I got to say. Okay. So can I can I just give an honorable mention, by the way, to one other uh, Seattle Mariner who I uh, uh, was neck and neck with picking is Richie Sexton. Oh God! <laughs> yes. Also, yes, was also someone I thought about, but I I couldn't do it because I thought of him as a brewer as well. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't even realize all the years and then the couple of um, All Star years that he spent with Milwaukee, but he only spent. Three and a half seasons with Seattle, but I just always think of him as a Mariner. And maybe it's too that he like he had a career a war of eighteen, but he always looked like he should be way better than he actually is. Some some <laughs> guys just look great in teal. They just do. That guy looked great in teal. Um, yeah. Mitch Hanninger right now looks great in teal. D, D Gordon yeah. looked great in teal. Felix Hernandez, oh, just man, there's just some guys that can rock that Mariners jersey. Richie Jackson is 6'7", 205 when he played. So he was just wiry, but, like, he filled out the, the uniform well. I feel like he was just, like, when you watch him, so he was, like, a fun guy to watch play baseball. I enjoyed watching him play baseball. Yeah, yeah, he was good. He was, he was a dude. He was a good dude. He was, he was a guy. He was a, he was a good dude. <laughs> For sure. 
All right, let's move over to the NL West. Uh, so, 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 do you think we should do the West, or do you think we should wait till next week given uh, the length? Oh, I yeah, why not? Let's drag it out. Why not? It means less work that I have to do for next week. True. <laughs> all right, <laughs> less work. All right, we're all about less work on this podcast here. So we'll exactly. do the NL West <laughs> next week. NL West, I think, is going to be a lot of fun. I I yes. thoroughly enjoyed looking up the NL West this time. Um, Me too. There was a lot. I laughed actually a lot while looking this up, and I also cried a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. When I, did the NLS. <laughs> I went through all sort of ranges of emotion on this one. So, um, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I I also went through a range of emotion, and I was laughing. You're you're gonna laugh at what I put together for the Rockies. The Rockies is one of the. I'm 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 probably the most proud of this than any prep that I've done for the podcast thus far. I'm excited about it. <laughs> wow, that is a tease. Good tease. All right. <laughs> So let's, yeah, we'll just end it on that note here. Um, you can follow me on at Life of Jordo on Twitter. Brian doesn't have a Twitter as always. Um, but Brian, is there anything that you want to leave people with to plug, something to recommend, something for people to consume besides this podcast? Oh, uh, um, not much is coming to mind. I just bought the Lord of the Rings extended edition on Blue. So I highly recommend that if people haven't watched that, that they do. But that's also like 19 years old. Um, that's about it. I did no prep for uh, thinking about something to plug. I should the next time because you've asked me this. Uh, okay. Do that. Well, <laughs> well for the non-nerds, uh, this past week I watched. We're nerds. <laughs> yeah. For the, la- for the last week, I watched uh, the Waco miniseries. It was freaking awesome. Um, there you go. Definitely deserved the criticism that I did. Um, but you should definitely check it out and just kind of, it's a good dramatization of like a kind of this crazy moment in American history. So um, definitely worth checking out. I recommend Waco. Um, So with that, uh, we'll leave it there and we'll let everybody go. See ya. Sounds good. Take care.